This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. Today's conversation was a special recording for the Masters in Travel panel discussion hosted on The Bridge. If you haven't already heard about The Bridge, this is a new platform that was created to make the travel industry an industry that we all love and are so passionate about an even better place for everyone in it. Every day on The Bridge is different, but you'll always find a few things. A live morning report recapping some of the most important industry news from the past 24 hours. This morning report is usually around five minutes long and has become part of my morning routine each day. It's such a great way to get my day started and to feel like I have a pulse on everything that's happening around the world. You'll also find a curated collection of representation company-backed suppliers and industry partners. Many of you have reached out since I have recorded a few podcasts on representation companies and are interested to learn more. The Bridge would be a fantastic place to start. Throughout each day's programming, you'll find live conversations, webinars, and product and destination updates throughout the day. Whenever you are in need of some resources, there's a library of knowledge and helpful tools to inspire, educate, and assist you in your business. Finally, the platform also hosts community and private chat forums to share ideas and questions or to get updates and news. Each month, on the second Friday of the month, I'll be going live to host a panel discussion together with suppliers and advisors alike. Head over to travelthebridge.com slash join dash advisor to sign up and mark your calendars for the second Friday each month to tune into the Masters in Travel panel discussion. Okay, let's dive into today's conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Masters in Travel panel discussion. My name is Whitney Schindelar. I'm the owner of Undiscovered Sunsets and the host of the Masters in Travel podcast. Joining me today to talk about creating unique experiences and what it means to truly support local communities in their respective destinations are two amazing DMC owners. Habib Elfasti of Visit Morocco is with us today. Habib, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everybody. Thank you for inviting me. And Bram Evers from Pure Travel Group in South America. Bram, I'm so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Whitney, and thank you for this invitation. So most DMCs and on-sites that I meet, whether it's at a trade show or in a supplier webinar, all sorts of different avenues that I meet a lot of DMCs and on-sites, they all often use the same descriptors to describe their services. We hear all of the phrases such as tailor-made, personalized, unique itineraries, it goes on and on. But when actually working on a proposal together, the execution of this in my opinion, isn't always as creative, unique, or as personalized as I'm hoping for. So Bram, I was recently watching one of your supplier trainings and you said, everyone can tailor make an itinerary, but to tailor make an experience is a whole different ballgame. And I must admit that when you said this, my ears really perked up because I haven't ever really heard anyone talk about this distinction before, the distinction between tailor making an itinerary and tailor making an experience. So will you talk to us a little bit about what you mean by this? Yes, definitely. And I think that's initially and specifically, it's the the differentiation that we see uh, as as pure that we can actually craft an an experience. Everybody 
can do a tailor-made itinerary. It's having your own itinerary, get an extra day here, change that little hotel, do a city day, city tour another day or whatever. And hey, I got a tailor-made itinerary. That's not what we're looking for. That's not what we believe in. That's not what we think people are up to or are willing to buy if they really ask for a tailor-made trip, journey, experience. And that experience needs to be tailored as well. So every single, to, to go from an itinerary, get it down towards an experience and then mm -hmm. tailor or craft. And now the, the, the new word that you hear all around is curate that experience is what we yeah. do. So we really listen to the clients, like what is it they do for a living? What is it they do as a hobby? What is it if they come with their children? What do their children do as sports or do they do reading or whatever it is? We will then also do a little brainstorming on what we can create within an itinerary, within that experience of a city tour or whatever it might be to get these special touches. And, and we will screen our guides with all that information beforehand so that the guide already knows more about the clients and that the guide can already create and know beforehand like okay this with these clients i'm going to stop here i'm going to go to a hospital because they're the doctors or go to home whatever and do those little extra treats and stops mm -hmm. that we already know is going to interest the clients so it's way more than just do a city tour on on day one on day three on day five it really make sure that the city tour or that experience that is done is crafted towards the interests of the clients. So I really love this because you've painted a really clear picture of if someone comes to, I don't know, let's choose one destination in South America that where are you based currently? Ecuador. In Ecuador. Okay. So if someone comes to Ecuador, it's, it's really, everyone's kind of expecting Quito. They're expecting maybe a little bit of time in the Amazon maybe the volcanoes, and then they're going to go out to the Galapagos. So it's everyone has a similar itinerary. And that's always one of my biggest questions is we're not trying to remove the Galapagos for a trip just for the sake of making a creative itinerary. It's what do we do in the Galapagos that feels personalized and unique? And I think that the way that you describe it is really different in a way that I haven't heard before. So I'm going to push you one step further. Can you give us a tangible example? of let's say a city tour in Quito, for example. I've definitely worked with DMCs and on-sites who will say, okay, if the clients love history and architecture, we can find a particular historian or an actual architect to take them around the city. Or if it's a family, we can find a guide who has kids and loves families and is really engaging. But it sounds like you're taking it even one step further than just a guide who specializes in a particular area or a particular topic. So Give me an example of a Quito city tour experience that you might craft for a family with teenagers who were super active in sports and, and then another family that's really into to music or food, or maybe there's a chef in the family. How might that city tour look different from one family to the next? So the, the city tours will be completely different uh, by any aspect. People will still need to see Quito, but people don't need to always go to the churches. Some people like to watch churches, but here, everybody, it's a standard city too. You have to go to the three main churches. Why? If you have another <laughs> you idea of the city, don't. Let's take them somewhere else. So we take them with the chef to a local market, do the shopping, get them into a house, a private house to somebody, 
and, and do a cooking experience with local people and local chef and then have that meal on a really beautiful spot with a great view over the town. Or, for instance, if they're more into wines, because Ecuador actually has its wine, nobody knows about it, it's not exported, but we are wine growers here on the equator. It's the impossible make possible. So we actually do the wine tasting and I can, we did it with a couple of clients. I took them to my own house and we did a whole wine tasting here at my place with a chef with the little snacks, which are like all local ingredients, snacks and a, and a sommelier from the winery down in Guayaquil. So we set this all up. We did the whole idea of, of understanding a country, not only because of its pre-Columbian, Incan, whatever civilization, ancient civilization art. It's also what's going on today in, in today's life, in, in contemporary moments. And that's where we also work together with, for instance, uh, the Wayas Amin, which is another artist, uh, very, well, he's kind of known to the, the ones that actually know about art. So he has a beautiful place as well. And we, and we combine that, for instance, with one of the chocolate tastings of the unique chocolates that we have here in Ecuador. As maybe you know, but Ecuador is now officially seen as the birthplace of the cacao bean and actually the most impressive and, and, and unique chocolate or cacao is from Ecuador and the best chocolate as well is from Ecuador. So here we have another little thing that we can match within all these experiences that we have. If they're into tastings, if into the cooking or the adventure, like if, if it's for adventure, we will, we, we will actually do a city tour by bike. There's just all these options that can be done in a city. And, and most DMCs are just too relaxed and, and say, well, it's a city tour. So we go to the three yep. churches, to the two squares, mm -hmm. and we do that museum and that's your city tour. And then we hardly maybe do any if of the those. Clients, <laughs> right. And then maybe if the clients say, oh, I saw a bike tour on TripAdvisor, then they'll be like, oh, sure, we can add in a bike tour. But that's not exactly the approach that I'm generally looking for. Okay, so I've never been to Ecuador, but now I'm on my way. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds really wonderful. So Habib, I'm going to bring you into this. When you hear someone talk about a unique experience, what comes to mind for you and your team? Well, as you say, it's unique. So that means that the experience is how you live it. It's something that you have to live. It's not a product. It's not something that is set on paper and that is repeated every time uh, with different clients. It's literally a moment of life that the clients will have during that specific moment when they are enjoying this experience. And, and I like to say that when typically when we go visit some local communities, especially in the Atlas Mountains, for example. So as Bram said, it's of, there's always like a tour of Morocco and then you spend a, a day in the Atlas Mountains near to, near America and they get into the SUV and, they, and then they start doing the, the whole tour of the mountains and have a nice look about it, etc. But it's not really about that. So what we're really looking for is that people get immersed into the local communities there and that they understand exactly what's the difference between those communities in the mountains compared to, for example, what they're seeing in, in Marika City, which is just next to it. Mm -hmm. And so that could go from, go a bit out of the way into a dirt track where it's actually there's no road, stay in the village. We had some uh, amazing experiences with a multi-gen family, for example, where we would teach them how to make a min the mint tea, the Moroccan mint tea, and the key ingredients of the Moroccan mint tea. And then we took them to a very remote village, a small village with probably two, three families living there. Uh, okay. And then we told them, and then we told them, okay, now that the ingredients go knock on the doors 
and try to get the different ingredients to make your tea. And these guys don't speak anything but the, the Berber language. So they don't even speak English or whatever. So they um, have so to even find ways. Having a few Arabic words is maybe not helpful. It wouldn't, it wouldn't help. It wouldn't help. So they, they had to be creative in the way that they had to bond with these people in a different way and make them understand what they're looking for and at the end they would prepare the tea for the whole village and then they would do the tasting and 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 have some type of communication there with the guide so wow. it's really getting into and obviously these experience i mean you can describe it but you take another family and they would do something totally different and, mm -hmm. and the and the result will be probably very different so obviously there's a lot of laughter there's a lot of from the beginning there kind of some circumspection so there's no sure. what are we doing here what are we going to do with this right. with all of that is this what uh, i flew all the way to morocco to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely so at the end of the day this is what they remind uh, that they remember most of all what they do and all what they did it's literally the interaction they had with these people and and how they had fun doing so so it can be something like this it can be maybe getting into some people's home and uh, start cooking with them or start doing some pottery or maybe even go to milk the goats uh, in, in their little backyard you know it's it's all about interactivity it's all about getting involved and that's how we see the, the originality and that's how we see like the real experience and obviously it can be something very basic or very it's very very interactive or it can be something more relaxed or more kind of seen from a broader view or from from behind you know but it's mm -hmm. in in all cases it's always about having this unique moment i really appreciate that you mentioned the originality because that's a word that's not used very often, but I think that that's what's most important about the experience that you just described, because I've never heard of any, anyone doing anything like that. I've never even thought about that idea. So I guess my next question for you is, what's behind the conceptualization of experiences like this? Is this something that your guides on the ground are coming up with crazy ideas and they come back to you and say, what, what about this? Or is this something happening back in the office in a brainstorming session, and then you figure out how to execute it. I mean, how are these types of ideas even coming about in conversation? And then what does it really take to execute that smoothly to create a positive experience for clients? Because it seems simple, but I'm sure that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Definitely, definitely. It's uh, Well, actually, it's a teamwork. Obviously, the idea comes out of, most of the time, out of the brainstorming or out of the briefing. So it's true also that, a lot of our clients push us to be original and to be creative. So every time we have new clients, they start saying, okay, I want something that I have never seen. Or obviously we have sometimes very, very wealthy clients that are very well-traveled, that they've done everything, seen everything. And, and so we need to create something new to surprise them in this way. So that's where we, we get into the brainstorming uh, thing with some guides, with the, the team in the office, the product management, asking around, et cetera. So that's where how we come up initially with some of the ideas. And then we need to, to go on the ground and, and start looking for that and, and see, okay, what could be realized? What is difficult? Where could be found typically a, a village that is willing to do so? And then we use our guides on the ground to start asking those people, because obviously these are it's not like a touristic attraction. It's these mm -hmm. people are doing, they're living their own life and, and, mm -hmm. and we're kind of, in a way, disturbing their normal life into bringing these type of things. So right, they have to understand right. that it's, first, it's a positive thing, even for them, because they, they're in remote villages. So they don't get to see that many foreigners or that many tourists. So, and when they see them, 
most of the time they just see them passing by with the big SUVs and and looking right. at them as like zoo animals, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes. having them really getting involved and and understanding, and especially when there are kids in in, in the group, etc. So. This is really where the magic happens. So that's one thing going um, in preparing all of that. And obviously we start having this type of reputation also. So with our guides, with the village uh, around us, et cetera. So they know that when we come to them, it's not for like just a touristic thing or just to make money out of them, et cetera. But it's really an exchange and uh, let's say a win-win situation where obviously we can make some extra money, they can have some fun. And at the same time, they can learn something from these people because at the end of the day they always have they maintain these relationships and, and mm-hmm. the spontaneity that happens there it's we've seen so many kids like starting playing football european football right there on the ground with with the other kids and it's like the uh, universal language it's really something that is uh, moving in a way when you see these people and the, the magic sauce uh, taking in, the, in these elements it, it really is. I think sometimes I can imagine some shocked looks you might get from clients when you say, okay, you need to go start knocking on local stores and get the ingredients that you need in a language that you don't, you know nothing about. But it's actually the magic that comes after that. Once they take a deep breath and just relax and let themselves enjoy the experience that, like you said, they start playing football, they start laughing, they start sharing tea. And, and then that becomes a really memorable, unique, let's not use unique, let's say original experience that they go home talking about. And very authentic also. Very, very much. And I really appreciate how the originality of this idea also is combined with local communities, right? It's not like they're separate. Like unique has to be something super fancy in the city and then local communities are separate. It all just starts blending together when you're approaching a personalized experience in this way, I think. Yeah. Definitely. So Bram, I'm going to bring it back to you. I'm also interested to know a little bit about the conceptualization of unique ideas with your team and then also the execution. You mentioned that you're hosting a wine tasting at your house. So, I mean, is this because you have a really beautiful house that everybody needs to see or like where are these ideas coming from? And then how are you working with your team to say, okay, this is where we're going to do the wine tasting. This is the chef that we're going to work with to bring in the food that they're going to enjoy during that experience. Share with us a little bit behind the scenes of what this looks like, because I think advisors, we don't really know. We All we know is that DMCs and on-sites are either creative or they're not. They're either flexible or they're not. But actually what's happening on the ground behind the scenes to really pull off these experiences, we have no idea what that looks like. And when you guys do your jobs really well, it makes it seem really simple. And I know that it's not. So tell us a little bit about how your team approaches these ideas. Yes, that's indeed our job. So we're specialized in, in brainstorming sessions, making sure to get all the people that are that are with us of our team, but also out of the team. And, and, and if we have a certain inquiry, we have a certain idea of what these clients would like to do and what we can actually create for them. We come all together and, and I, I didn't want to open my house to anybody. It's my house, my private house. I was like, well, right. who's interested in, 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 in being here at my house? <laughs> but then, then somebody said, no, wait a minute. I think this would be really, really, really nice. And, and well, I have this, this great table and, 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 and well, anything. It, 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 is, it is a nice house. But then uh, the, with the whole setup of, of the wines and, 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 and I have open kitchen and with the chef and, and the whole way that we could actually do the, the, the tasting and also with the food and interaction with all the different uh, elements that were there, it, it was just a good place. 
And all of a sudden they said, no, it, we, we have to do it at your house. And I was like, okay, well, let's do it at my house. But it's, <laughs> it, things, things develop, things come together and, and they, they come, they come and, and, and become one, one piece when everything works. And that's, that's our eye to detail. That's our preparation. That's our way of, of foreseeing things. And as what, what Abib said, like with the local communities, it's even a, a great step, more difficult. As, as, uh, there's a part called health and safety that's, that's, that needs to be reviewed. So it's not just making sure that, that you have a great experience. It's also that you have a safe experience. And if you do a tasting, that you don't have two or three sick passengers the day after. So it really, it's all together comes with many different pieces and details and, and making sure that the experience is authentic Yet it is vetted by, by, by us and done all the all, all like these these little details on the health and safety part. Yes. And I'm really happy you mentioned that it really does need to be vetted and tested and made sure that it's going to be pulled off successfully for all the clients. Because I think about so many of my trips, and while I'm not necessarily as I'm the advisor, I'm not creating very specific, unique experiences. When I am traveling, I'm often trying to visit a wide variety of hotels. I'm trying to sign up for different experiences, different food tours, different performances, visiting different restaurants in the city, trying to find something that is really delicious, but also unique and also local. And so I'm also trying to look for a variety of experiences. And after that trip, I would say less than 50% of what I personally tried and what I personally researched and really prepared is what I end up recommending to clients because it's just not all as great as you hope it to be. And sometimes the reasons are different, but so I'm curious to know from your guys' perspective, sometimes you are truly crafting original experiences like making Moroccan tea with a local village in the Atlas Mountains and other times having a wine tasting at your home. And that's really original and you were behind that. So I'm sure you tried multiple times and each time it kept improving one after another because you start noticing little details that you can improve and for the next time it gets better. But then there are also experiences where there must be in each of your respective destinations, a new cooking class or a new bike tour or a new operator that comes onto the scene and your team tries it to see if it might be something interesting for your clients. And I'm curious to know what percentage of those types of experience do you say, yeah, this is really great. We're going to do this or this really isn't up to the quality of what we want to offer clients. And how are you making those decisions as a team? Habib, I'll throw this one to you first. Well, actually, we would love to have that many new experiences coming on with the vendors <laughs> that we wouldn't have to create all of this uh, ourselves. So the reality is that, yes, every time there's a new activity or there's a new uh, operator of some type of experience, more than experiences, more these they're more kind of an activities, activities. Uh, that I go mm -hmm. that goes with that. Yeah, definitely. We obviously try them and see how they feel. I mean, we with our experience now, like back experience, not on, on the other on the other spectrum of the of the word experiences yeah. that we know whether that could work for certain type of clients or not, just by just as you do when you try your experiences, mm -hmm. you say, okay, I like this. 
maybe I like it for me, but I wouldn't like it for my clients. I like it for this client, but not for this exactly. client. Exactly, and not for the other one. Uh, yes. And you know pretty much the profile of each client and what they might like and what they might not like. Some people are probably not bothered if the experience is really fun, but the overall dressing is a bit, it's not so cheap, but maybe roots or rustic mm -hmm. or these type of things. And some mm -hmm. others may still need to have uh, the nice quoting around it and, and the luxury element around it and that everything needs to be super clean and super that, etc. Like, for mm -hmm. example, when we do a, a food tasting tour in, in Fez and, and you experience that with us, mm -hmm. you, you can perfectly understand these type of things so that uh, the food tasting, which is still something very, very popular and something very, I would say, like, it's not fancy at all. It's really getting into the, uh, the real Fez and the real mm -hmm. people that are eating in Fez. Some people might not bother going into some little shacks and not be maybe having the best hygiene and the best thing because they're willing to try these things. Some others are maybe more afraid of that. So mm -hmm. because of that, probably we would arrange the experience differently depending on the type of profiles that we have. And for some profiles, we probably do not offer it at all because we know that they might not appreciate it correctly. So, mm -hmm. so this is one, one element that we have to try and we know pretty much how it goes. And then we have the, the other element where actually there's no real vendor coming in. And so we come up with the vendor and say, okay, now we want this experience. So let's work it together and try to find something that is going to work. And then we try on different options, sure. different ways of doing it until we get the product that we like. You know, you bring up a really good point that I'd never really thought about before. And whenever I'm preparing for trade shows and conferences, and I have approximately 250 appointments back to back. I like to think of questions, not an exaggeration, everybody knows. I like to think of questions in advance that I want to ask different suppliers so that when I get to that appointment, the time can be used really productively. But one thing I've never considered asking a new DMC or an onsite, like a new to me DMC or onsite is... What percentage of the experiences that you're providing for clients are being provided with a tour operator that already exists and that you are partnering with versus those experiences that have been created and crafted specifically by your team? I think the answer to that question would really start to set DMCs and onsites apart. And I've never asked that before, but I think that I might add it to my arsenal of questions for new partners that I meet. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's because... In the DMC world, you have tour operators and you have maybe just incoming department agencies or incoming agencies that are probably coordinating the logistics, but not really product manufacturers or experienced. Right, not developing so, new product. It's more exactly. of here's so, everything that's available in our destination and here's how and we can um, put it together in itinerary. Exactly, exactly. Logistic agencies, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. and, and this is, a, I agree with you. I think it's a very good question, a thorough question to ask because uh, it makes a real difference in how the DMC is going to behave or is going to think in preparing your itinerary. Uh, and I like what, uh, what Bram said at the beginning, and, and I always say it when I do my sales calls in a way, is that when you come to Morocco, you need to see the whole cities and all the itineraries look the same from... Uh, Helicopter view. Obviously, yes. everybody goes to Marrakech, everybody goes to the Fez, everybody goes to the desert. So it's not about the itinerary per se, because that you can just look it up on the internet and say, okay, I want this itinerary. I know that works. It's more about what you're doing in in all of these cities. And as you, you said, you had one example of a client who did it once on a bus. And what he remembered was only um, the bus. being on the road, being on the road. <laughs> 
Yeah. And we did exactly the same itinerary and probably you didn't really notice what happened on the road because uh, actually mm-hmm. we stopped at the right places. We met with the people. We did things that are definitely out of the beaten path. And so another key word for original or unique experiences for me is out of the beaten path. It's really mm-hmm. something that it's not common. It's not common ground. It's not everybody's looking for that. So that also is part of, of what you Get in mind what you uh, one element that you need to add as a criteria to make sure that you get a, a unique experience. I think that another factor that you made me think about is the flexibility of a logistics kind of tour operator where they're just putting together all of the things that already exist in their destination and they're putting it together in a package for you versus a truly a DMC that is really taking a, a unique and, a, and an original approach to each itinerary design. The other key differentiating factor that I notice, and it's not a question I can necessarily ask up front, it's what I notice after I'm in the process of designing an itinerary is their flexibility. Those who are just putting together all of the already existing tours and activities in that destination, there's very little flexibility. So if there's a food tour that occurs in the morning market with a chef, and I would really prefer like an evening food tour that's more like wine tasting and stopping at the local cafes and bars where locals are hanging out. The answer I got when I asked for that shift in the food tour was no, like we don't have that. And so I, as an advisor, had to go out and find it slash create it myself which is really hard for me when I'm not in destination, but that's what we want to do for our clients. Whereas on the other side, this itinerary that we're working on right now in Morocco, we're getting ready to confirm. And I'm sure if I went back to your team and said, have you told me this really cool thing about making Moroccan tea in the Atlas Mountains? Can we add it in? Probably the answer is yes. And if the answer is no, then there's a really good reason for it, right? It's not just, oh, that's not part of the set package that we have designed. And so I think that flexibility is really the greatest benefit that comes in when we're working with DMCs such as both of your companies that are truly taking an original approach to each itinerary design. I think it's important to understand that everybody needs certain local agencies as there are, for instance, if, if, if you see a country like Argentina, which is huge, or, or Peru, and you have your clients going to Arequipa, you don't have your own office there. You rely sometimes on your connections, on your vendors, as, as Habib says. But and still, it's within yourself and within it, it's with your own company to actually create and find other ways because it's not just relying on, on whatever your provider is going to deliver. It's what you want your provider to deliver to you. And that's a whole, that's the, the, the differentiation of I think having a, a, a DMC with a certain certain kind of strength and power in the country that we can actually tell people what to do, or if you are with a travel agent or a tour operator that is just reselling products at other bodies or a re, or, or local agents' products, and then it's yeah, what I said is just a logistic agency. It's it's not a DMC. It's not somebody you want to work with, <laughs> really. So. As an advisor, I get really excited talking to DMCs and onsites who have an approach as both of you do. I also am a little uncertain how to always approach that new inquiry process because these ideas that you've shared today that you've created before and that you can create for clients, I don't necessarily know how to pull that out of you and your team. 
And you've just shared a couple ideas with us. So I'm sure that there are just a tremendous number of different things that you could potentially pull off. Sometimes I'm not really sure how to bring advisors and DMCs together in a way that is a true collaboration. Because what I want from you guys, which I know there are reasons why this is difficult and not always possible, is some sort of like a catalog or a library of ideas of these are the types of things that we have created before and we could potentially do for you. And if this sparks a new idea, tell us and maybe we'll be able to pull it off. But I know that putting that on paper might seem overwhelming for for your teams and maybe it's impossible. And if it is impossible, I'm interested to know why. But if I don't have anything to work from, then I don't even know what are the right questions to ask in order to come to you and say, could we do a wine tasting at your house, Bram? I think my clients would really love that. <laughs> so how do we come together between advisors and DMCs in a way that feels like we are truly working on the same team as opposed to just working side by side, if that makes sense? No, we need, we need to be part of your team. You need to see us as your colleagues on the ground. And that's how we all, how, what I always say. You know, we are your colleagues. How you would ask somebody from your team, what would you do with these passengers? The same way you have to ask us. And, and we will not send a, a whole list with our special crafted experiences because you know how this works. It will be copy-paste. And in two months, everybody will have the same. And, and then, and, and, and of course, we need to be on top and we need to be a step before and, 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 and blah, 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 and do everything our way. But we're not here to be copied. We, we want to be ourselves and we, we want to maintain that uniqueness and that special personality within our trips. So by publishing that on our website or in our sample programs or in anything, it'll, it'll be just opening up to the whole world. And, and, it'll, and, it'll, and, be I, trip, and it'll be a trip advisor within a minute. Sure. And I understand <laughs> that. And of course, I respect that as we, everyone in this call and everyone listening, we're all business owners. So we also understand that we are running a business and we can't just put everything out there for how we run our business. Because you're right that... It, people could try to steal it. I'm sure that it wouldn't be as great as what you're executing, but they're, they would try. But there still needs to be more of a connection between us. So how do we bring advisors and DMCs closer together to really create these original experiences without you just blasting all of your amazing information all over the internet? First of all, I, I, I think we need to start with the beginning. Like, are your passengers up for those truly unique experiences or are they just looking for a general interest trip? Maybe 50 or 60% of, of every sale or even more, they just want to do tip off the highlights, want to see whatever their neighbor has seen. And they're not really interested in, in doing something out of the box, of the beaten path, out of their comfort zone or anything like that. So whenever you have your clients that are up to doing something totally different, getting, as I said, out of their comfort zone, which is something that we love to do. We, we really... That's our objective. Like anybody that comes with us, we need to, to get them out of that gringo trail, as I call it. Like everybody does the same. Mm -hmm. And just for a moment, get them connected with the country. And that's, that's how we actually call it our pure elements. And those moments is what most of the time last longest in their memory. Even if they were a bit afraid in the beginning, well, shall we, shall, should we, would we, whatever. And in the end, that's the wow. But we need to have that okay from your side to start being creative or no, keep to the originals. <laughs> so 
That's something I can definitely see. I would say probably 80% of my clients are, give us something interesting, please. So then I give you that go ahead. Then what's next? I, I feel like sometimes I want to really try and create like a client profile and share as much information about them as I can. But then also sometimes I'm sending that email and I'm just feeling like, is any of this information relevant? What do you really want to know about a client? Yeah, well, actually, I, I liked a lot your analogy with the, the fact that we are your colleagues. So basically, the first thing you can do is chat with us. And, and, and you know that obviously you have different types of requests. You have some basic requests. Some people just want to see the main highlight. They don't have time. They, they want to see, they want to check boxes and, mm-hmm. and have it in a, in a luxury or well-operated way. So right. this is something... We know how to do, obviously, uh, and so a lot of people come to us just because of that. And and in this mm-hmm. case, yes, you can tell us the basic elements of uh, what do they like, the level of hotels, the rooming types, whether they have kids, not kids, what they like, sure. whether active, not active, etc. So, so this is something what I would call like simple. But then if you have some requests from some clients that are you, because it's your clients, so you know how they are, you know whether they're going to be picky, you know whether they're going to be very thorough and looking for the very small details or they're just going to be satisfied with whatever. And that's where maybe we expect from you, we get into a call and we discuss that together. Uh, And with that conversation, the ideas start flowing. And then when you tell us, okay, so these guys, they've done this, they've done that. So they would like to, they would they like these type of things and then we say oh yeah maybe i had done already this type of experience or maybe we could think about that experience etc etc and and that's how it can work obviously you can always give some ideas of past experiences and and, and create some type of catalog or more kind of what i call food for thought elements. Yeah. so yeah, and, and we have put up a, a series of, of these food for thought elements so that they know that in each city, what could be done as, a, as something different from just the city tour or, mm-hmm. or the, the main things that they are. But then it's more about specifically, and as we said, we, we are creating unique experiences, original ones that are specific to that client. That specificity, we need to get it from our discussion. So I guess that the best way to do that is probably get on a call, take the time to get on a call and, and discuss that. And that would save us, you and I mean the travel advisor and the DMCs, mm-hmm. a lot of time, a lot of emails going back and forth saying, yeah, that's nice, but it's not exactly what I wanted. And, and then going back yeah. and forth. And we reading this and say, okay, so it's not this. So what are we going to do? What are we going to offer? And, and the experience has shown us that at the end of the day, we waste more time than probably getting in, into a phone call and in 15 minutes and you get it done. And then you can just go straight ahead into the right itinerary and the right experiences to offer. So I, I guess sometimes it's a few words on the phone are, are much better than going through a thread of emails. Definitely, definitely. So I'm just thinking about my own process. And you're right that if it's a repeat client that I've been working with for a long time, we can probably hop on a quick call and get a lot accomplished in 20 minutes and we would be off to the races. It actually becomes a lot more interesting when advisors are working with new clients. And I don't know, it probably depends for advisors where they are in their business. You know, if they're in their first five years, probably quite likely that 50% of their clients are new with every new inquiry, right? Nope, this is a first-time client. This is a repeat client. Whereas if you're working with a more experienced advisor, maybe 75, 80% of the clients are repeat. So for me, I'm somewhere there in the middle. And I think that 
when I'm meeting a brand new client, I have them fill out a really detailed form and it does help me figure out some things, but there's still a lot of kind of reading in between the lines that I'm trying to do. And so I'm always trying to prepare as much, as many ideas and as much information as I can before the discovery call. So that during that call, just as you've said that it could be really beneficial between the client and the DMC or the advisor, the DMC, I'm doing that with the client and saying, what do you think of this idea? Or are you really open to this? Or like, how adventurous are you feeling? If I tell you that we have a four hour long hike, are you going to, you know, absolutely say no way or are you up for it? So I'm having that kind of conversation with clients. And so it's like somehow working you in there in the middle to kind of throw all that's, these ideas that's around. That's kind of easy. That's, that's how we do now, for instance, with several of our clients. They take us into their call with the, with the client as their underground expert. And we don't enter as pure or visit Morocco. We enter as your name because we are white mm-hmm. label. We don't need our name to be out there anyway. We won't sell anything direct to them if, if they would contact us. So that's, that's again, see us as your colleagues. If you're not an expert on the destination or if you don't feel completely confident talking to a client about a certain destination that's where you have us for here we are mm-hmm. you now we mm-hmm. can jump on, the, on on that zoom call we can jump on a whatsapp call we can jump on a google meet or whatever you have nowadays to to communicate and we can back you up on those conversations with the client and we can actually then maybe understand what the client is looking for and and we come up with the d's that you can then sell to them uh, accurately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's that way. It's like what we had, just like a little anecdote, with one agent, we had a booking, very nice booking. And this guy said, yeah, I really want to go to this museum. Again, well, it was the Wise Amin Museum, again, the same one. But it's, yeah, sorry about that. It's <laughs> it's getting boring, but it's <laughs> just it's like how it is. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and, and he said, yeah, no, because I have this artwork in my house. And, and I said, send me a picture. And it was an original artwork of this Ecuadorian artist. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I'm not only this client to the museum, we also make sure that the, 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 the proper son of Wais Amin was there to have a discussion about the artwork he has at his house. Wow. Um, it, it, you know, you, you really get them. These little things is what builds up the little moments and the short moments that can make huge differences. And I think that you've reminded me that so many of these little anecdotes and these little details, they come out in conversation. They don't come out when a client is filling out a form or when we are emailing your team with a new inquiry. They come out in these little offhand comments of, oh, I have some art hanging in my house. Well, send me a picture of it. And then suddenly a whole new experience has been developed. So I think that the average advisor's pushback to this idea of bringing you guys into our calls is, ah, but the time zones and, ah, are you going to be available? And, ah, that sounds so time-consuming. And I don't know, if is this really going to work? But I will say that I have seen a tremendous improvement in my process simply by having my own video call with the clients and talking about these ideas up front instead of putting together a proposal that has four times the amount of things that they could possibly do. And then they choose what they want. And there's so many back and forth where if we have it all in the conversation, then it's almost like the details of the trip at an Eagle's eye view are decided upon in that conversation along with the budget. And that's my next question for you both, but along with an ideal budget for those clients and for that trip. So that when I send the proposal and when I send that proposal invoice, there aren't really any surprises because we have such a detailed conversation during the call And really the surprises then come, oh, we talked about doing a wine tasting, but 
they didn't tell me on the call that it was going to be at Bram's house and that there was going to be a stunning view with a lunch provided, you know, like those are actually the moments that we can surprise them, but surprise them with that proposal in a positive way, as opposed to like, Oh, this is double the price that I was expecting. Like we don't like those types of surprises. Right. So I think that the extra work and extra time up front in actually bringing you into that call as well, will just further enhance all of our processes because it's easier for me as their advisor. It's easier for your team to pull together these itineraries. And I would venture to say that it's going to cut out probably 80% of the back and forth. Which I, is I totally agree. I totally agree. Not and profitable it's, um, for anybody. Exactly. And and the great thing is while you're having that conversation, the itinerary kind of flows by itself and it comes naturally. So at the end of the conversation, as you and your client obviously are agreeing on something that comes into sense that's okay, this is what we have to do. It's it makes perfect sense and, and it is a natural thing that we want to do. And obviously speaking about budget. This is something that maybe also we could help you with or advisors might need to get a bit educated on is mm-hmm. maybe have I block orders of magnitudes on, okay, if I need um, I spend seven days or 10 days here with this level of hotels, the ballpark element will be around that. So mm-hmm. you already know pretty much all of those original experiences, as you totally said, they're not necessarily expensive. They, they can be a bit complicated to set up. And so there might be some costs involved with that. Sure. But it's probably a lot of those experiences are probably much cheaper than uh, the upgrade between the, the one room and the super suite in mm-hmm. the super five star hotel that they're going to stay in. They're going to stay mm-hmm. in. Sometimes uh, making that choice and having these key elements or these key ballpark numbers in your head when you're speaking to the client helps also a lot to drive the client towards the right decision. Yes. So mm-hmm. because they say, okay, I want luxury. I want the super hotel that I read about everywhere. I want the Royal Mansour. But then they say, okay, Royal Mansour is probably around $1,000 or, or yep. $2,000 a night. So are you ready to spend that? Or right. maybe we can have like amazing Riyadhs mm-hmm. with at probably uh, one fifth of that price and, and save some money for, for something else. Yep. And exactly. So I think that would help also advisors to have these type of ballpark figures before yeah we start the conversation. I I agree. And this is also part of my preparation prior to having a discovery call with a client is based on the dates that they're asking for and based on the level of hotel that I can tell by the information they've shared with me that they're probably going to want. I try to extrapolate and look like, okay, if I put them at this hotel over these dates for seven nights or for 10 nights, this is the budget and then just double it to add in the experiences and the tours and the transfers and all this kind of thing. But when it comes to these unique experiences, I have no idea what it costs to pull off a wine tasting at Bram's house or to have a a tea experience in the desert or, you know, in the Atlas Mountains. I have no idea if, because I, I have no idea what it takes to set it up. I have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. I have no idea if that's a low cost or a high cost item. So just one more reason why having you on the call not only sharing these ideas and seeing what the clients are interested in, but then we can throw it to you and say, we talked about a budget of ten dollars to $12,000 with these unique experiences that we're now talking about. Is that still a comfortable investment or are we going to need a little bit more? And that's something that I could never answer. Only you could answer that during that call. Definitely. Definitely. So that's, right. that's what Bram said. It can only help to, to put us on that call. And at the end of the day, uh, sometimes that single call will help you like materialize your sale 
and and save you a lot of time going back and forth with the mm-hmm. client and with the DMC. So it's a good deal. <laughs> Graham and Habib, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. And just to wrap this up, I just have one more question for each of you. As I was kind of sharing before, there's so much behind operating a DMC type of business that we really have no idea about. What would each of you like to share with advisors that you wish advisors knew just more in general about working with the DMC in general, but also about very specifically about collaborating with each of your respective teams? What would you like to share with the advisor community? I'd say in the beginning, trust us, believe in us, communicate with us, see us as your colleague. Again, again, I'm repeating myself many, many, many things this time, but it's, it's important. It's important to see us as an extension of your own office in country and treat us like that. If you're not happy with something, let us know. If, if you're very happy with something, let us know as well. It's creating the confidence between us. You know, we, we work as, as a team, we work as a partner. And sometimes I feel that advisors try to do everything themselves to the utmost and then connect with us and say, well, I, is this okay what I've done? We could have saved a lot of time in many, many, many ways and, and helped you with your knowledge. You know, we're here to bring knowledge to you. Either it's, it's, it's on a regional side, it's on the product side, it's on whatever you need to know for a certain client that you have. Tell us, ask us. It's so easy nowadays. And we, we explain you on, on how this or that vessel in Galapagos works or what the difference, differences are or whether whether you, you have to go in, in, to the Club Forest or the Amazon and, just these little things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so easy. In 10 minutes, we're done. And then that also makes your client feel more confident with whatever you're going to tell them about the destination. And, and then we can both make sure that this booking converts because in the end, that's what we want. Sometimes you're dealing with shoppers. Sometimes you're dealing with these people that just shop around and they're with two or three different agents asking for the same. So we need to be different. We need to back you up as a travel advisor in your knowledge, in your accuracy, and in your speed back to your clients. And we also can help you out with all your marketing efforts. So that's also something you can ask us for. Like if you would like to do a campaign, a social media campaign or whatever it is, ask us, ask us for for help. What, What can we do? Any content creation, videos, pictures, anything there is. We have a whole marketing team behind here that's just waiting for you to to connect with us and say, well, hey, let's do something together. Let's push this destination. I feel this destination is now open. Uh, there's more and more people going. Let's do something because I really like to, to sell more towards this destination. Just see us as a marketing partner, as, as a knowledge partner. And in the end, yes, we will operate your, your clients as well on a seamless journey. Amazing. I totally agree with Bram, mm-hmm. and I would I would add, just add to that that unfortunately a lot of people see us as the middlemen. We're not middlemen. We're actually let's say more kind of the screws that allow everything to to work correctly, you know, and, and hold everything together. And Bram is so right about that. How many how many requests we have received with advisors saying, okay, uh, I have this client. We thought we would do this and that, and a lot of the time. Either it's very basic or very, very common so that it's not differentiating. So even for the advisor, it's not good towards the client because then the client can start shopping around and say, okay, I saw mm-hmm. that on the internet or I saw that on TripAdvisor, et cetera. And some other times it's just that it doesn't make sense because they don't have a real knowledge of the destination. So this is really something that I think we as DMCs maybe lack in terms of marketing is that marketing a little bit more 
our added value and, and make the, the advisors understand our real added value, not only to book guides or to book tours or to book experiences, mm -hmm. but to help you put everything together, even with hotels, even with all these networks like Virtuoso, Signature, et cetera. And they, they go to these big hotels and they have the perks and everything. But at the end of the day, we are the ones on site and we know the hotels and we know how to deal with the people because mm -hmm. you can have the best hotel in the world. At the end of the day, the service and the small waiter, et cetera, is, is from the is from the local population. And you know the mentality and you need to know how to deal with them and how to speak with them to ensure that at the end of the day, your final client is happy with that. Mm -hmm. And and so many experiences like this, they say, okay, I booked like this super five-star hotel and the, the client had a very bad experience. And I spent like, I don't, how, I don't know how much time on the phone with the, with the sales manager to try to solve that. So why bother? What's the point of doing this and wasting time on doing this when you should be actually using your time marketing yourself towards mm -hmm. your clients or helping your clients or get more clients and let us do that job, which is basically our job. I'm not surprised, but I'm sad to hear that some people might think of DMCs as middlemen because I actually think you are imperative. There's are so many clients who come home and they say, Whitney, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you pulled that off. I don't know how you put that particular experience together. And I say, I didn't. My partners did that. And that's why that's what is so beautiful about working with a travel advisor. And, and I tell them, I'm not the person who does this. I'm the person who knows the person who does this. And that's really what brings together the most amazing collaboration. Habib and Bram, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your honesty and your transparency. And I feel like after this, I'm going to come up with lots more questions. So I'm probably going to invite you back on to talk more if you're up for it. But for now, thank you both for your willingness and for your enthusiasm to be a part of the conversation. Thank you very much, Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you loved today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who is ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to community.mastersintravel.co. When joining our community, you'll gain access to our free resource library for travel advisors. You can apply to be a mentor or a student in the Masters in Travel Academy and Apprenticeship Program, and you'll be the first to know about courses and workshops created for travel advisors by travel advisors. If you're ready to accelerate the success of your travel business, you can also join our private community and think tank where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join the conversation at community.mastersintravel.co. To continue the conversation, find us on Instagram at Masters in Travel, where we preview upcoming episodes and engage with our listeners to decide what topics to cover next. We'll see you next time.